Welcome to another episode of Web3 Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Lucas Bean, co-host Crip King over here. And today we have a special guest, Zeneca, everybody. Um, if you don't know who Zeneca is, if you ever heard of the Zen Academy, he's one of the biggest educators in the space, has a huge audience, um, unbelievably kind and empathetic person. Met him in real life in Vegas at the Web3 Expo. It was really great. So looking forward to having a, a chat with Zeneca today. What a privilege. Zeneca, Crip King, how are you both today? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, man. GM, yeah, good man. to be here. Uh, glad to be here uh, with Zeneca as well. Yeah. GM, Zeneca, GM. how are you? My, how are you, Very my friend? Well. Happy to be here. Thank you for glad having me. Glad to have you. Excited. Glad to have you. Yeah, same here, man. It was uh, we, we had a brief but good discussion in Vegas. And, uh, you know, this is, this is great finally catching up right after the Vegas show. I know it's been a little while, but you know, feels like yesterday to me. But uh, that was definitely one time. Time is weird in this space. <laughs> it feels like it's yesterday so to me too. Yeah, it's so true. It feels like yesterday, and then it also feels like wow, that happened like a year ago. It's what it also feels like. Like every now and then, I get both. I kind of like both reactions. So good times. Um, let's get right into it, Zeneca, because you we have a lot to, to discuss, and I know I have a limited amount of time, so. Uh, Let's break right into what my discussion with you. So can you give us a little bit of a background of you, like in terms of like an origin story? Like how did you get into the space? What were you doing before? Things like that. Um, I would love to I would love to learn that. And then I want to get a little bit deeper into the, uh, you know, obviously Zen Academy and the 333 Club and uh, your really interesting burning mechanisms, things that are going on right now with your smart contracts. So that'd be great. Yeah. Absolutely. So my background before crypto, uh, I was a professional poker player for about 16 or 17 years. I can never know exactly, but uh, that was kind of all I did. I went from high school straight into poker and then into crypto. Uh, dabbled with a couple other things along the way, but that was largely it. I got into crypto a bit in 2017 when you know that big mania wave was going off and Ethereum was all the rage and uh, rode that up and all the way down and uh, you know <laughs> when the bear market hit I was I threw my hands up and I was like ah that was that was a fun experiment let's just dig my head uh, stick my head in the sand forget about crypto forever and <laughs> go back to real life <laughs> uh, obviously I wish I didn't do that but uh, early 2021 rolls around and everything's popping off again and I have friends telling me who had like they'd stuck around and stayed in the space and they started talking about NFTs and DeFi and all this stuff that had been built and so I got sucked back in and. That was that was like that, that was the the origin for me. It was, you know, uh, through friends from poker. My initial reaction was, "Hey, NFTs, it's a scam." But uh, I think most people's initial reaction is like that, especially a couple of years ago. But uh, eventually came around and yeah, just started trying stuff out, trading, flipping, losing money to begin with, and then things turned around and started creating content, and that led to Zen Academy. That's great. This is this is this is the kind of stuff I want to hear. A lot of people don't understand like how many years were put into, you know, building this audience on Twitter in the exact right timing for, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Like you set yourself up for that success unknowingly probably too. Like you knew you were in the space, you were creating content and then bam, it just the uh the 2020 forward slash 2021 beginning like you were I'm sure you were like, "Oh, hey, this is great. It's back. It was it was crazy. It was so for starters, when I was getting in in February 2021, I thought I was late. I was like, oh, I missed the boat on these NFT things. Uh, you know, crypto punks are already so expensive, and hash masks are expensive, and oh my god, I, I was like, why didn't I get in earlier? But that's just a sign that you know that was obviously early. I think we're still early. Uh, and then totally lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, yeah, right place, right time. So when I started creating content and tweeting on Twitter, I had no intentions to like grow an audience or be a content creator or do anything like that. It was just, I wanted to write. I like writing. And so I started the newsletter and started writing Twitter threads. And it just all blew up because I think there was just this massive lack of any sort of content about NFTs you know, in May, June last year. And so, and then the entire space exploded and I just got swept up in it. So that was, that was just a crazy journey. Yeah, I can just imagine. So... When, when you actually started in the space, would you say, um, and started creating content, was it 2020? Was it 2021? Like, when do you think you, you actually uh, started the journey? I would say May 2021. So I created my Twitter account in March, um, and then I think I launched my newsletter in 
May, maybe the very uh, first week of June. And that's when I started like really doing more content. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I lo- oh, we lost uh, Okay, I hey, was Zemica, lost we lost you. Now? Yeah, we lost you. Go ahead. Wouldn't be a Twitter space if someone didn't get rugged. <laughs> right? So um, so you started, basically you kind of like started the, the Zen Academy or at least creating content, writing threads. Um, were you creating like video content? Was it just, th- was it threads? What, like what, what was your content that you actually started with? Writing, a blo- obviously writing a newsletter. Writing, yes. a, uh, writing threads, and then? Um, it was, so, the newsletter was the first piece, but then it was really these Twitter threads I would write with these daily floor stat price updates every single day. Uh, and this was back at a time when you couldn't really find the floor price easily of projects. You know, OpenSea didn't list it. Uh, none of the marketplaces listed it. There were no analytical tools or apps or websites or anything. If you want to see the, what the floor price of... Um, board apes or cool cats or anything was you had to go to OpenSea, you had to go to the collection page you had to sort by price low to high because it wasn't even default there you had to check the buy now button um, and then then you would see what the lowest listed one was and so I just started doing that for my just personal knowledge and trading because I, I started collecting and trading and then one day I decided to tweet it out and thinking, thinking it would be helpful to others and it just exploded and then I was like huh all right, might have struck a nerve here or something. And so I did the next day and the next day and just pretty much every day for six months. Uh, and that, I credit like the vast majority of uh, my Twitter growth to that. That is really cool. You found a pain point. And uh, if there's people in the audience listening, take notes to this one. He found a pain point for himself, solved the pain point for himself, and then put it out to see if it was like basically useful to everybody else. And it makes sense. I would retweet stuff like that for sure. And uh, I can definitely see a growth there. And now that, you know, OpenSea started doing that, you had your window of time where you had that opportunity to like take advantage of that tweeting uh, content out that nobody else had. Like that's a powerful thing in this space where if you have, if you find some pain for yourself in this space, it's your chance to like solve a problem for yourself. You basically solve a problem for like a thousand people. Um, if you try to solve a problem for like a thousand people, you usually don't solve, end up solving a problem uh, for too many people. First, solve a problem for yourself and then like replicate it. At least I, as far as I can see, that's a very, very successful way. Like most of the stuff I've done in my life was solving a problem for myself as well. I would solve the problem and then I'd be like, hey, is this something you could use? And then bam, it would just like go. It was like, I call it happy accidents. Along the way of doing stuff, you actually find something that's like, wow, this is, I was going to use this for this, but now this is an, like an entire business or this is, this is a product line I just invented or whatever the case may be. You find a, a big enough pain point and you can leverage that. So tell me now, now that you were, you were tweeting out basically floor prices and threads and things like that, which is crazy interesting. And, you know, usually Twitter, the Twitter algorithm like appreciates threads. It's like one of the biggest I would say follower generation, you know, content generation, impression generation tools that are out there, including now video, which they're they're incentivizing with algorithm uh, juice or favorability in the algorithm. So my question to you is, um, how did Zen Academy start? Yeah, so it it was an idea I had actually really early on. I think it might have been like late June, early July, uh, and I just was thinking about what I was doing in the space and I was doing a lot of trading and, and flipping and getting burned out as you do when it's like in a bull market, you, you, it's manic and there's mints happening every day, every week. Uh, it's hard to sleep. You feel firmer. And I was like, this is chaotic and very similar to poker and uh, very not necessarily helpful either. It's very, you know, PVP, you know, you, you make money, someone else generally loses money and it was not, something I really loved doing. I, it, was, it was fun at times, but it was also stressful. And I realized, you know, I'd just done 17 years as a poker player. I didn't really want to be playing poker when I was 50. I didn't really want to be flipping JPEGs or NFTs or crypto even, you know, much more into the future. So then I started thinking about what 
what else I could do. And because my Twitter threads had started taking off and because my newsletter was starting to rapidly gain followers, I, I realized that, you know, there was this hunger for like information and education, uh, around our space. And I, re- I also knew that how difficult it was to onboard new people into NFTs, into crypto, the learning curve was incredibly steep. It still is incredibly steep. It's getting better. But, uh, so I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if like we identified this 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 problem of uh, onboarding, and and we all had and probably still have friends and family members and coworkers um, that would come to us, especially last year. Oh God, twenty twenty one now. Um, back when things were crazy, and it was like on the news all the time, and on the, the Tonight Show, and you know, celebrities are buying apes, and it was really going crazy you know, everyone started talking about it. And then, you know, you'd have a friend or a family member come to you and be like, hey, you're into NFTs. Can you sort of teach me about it? I want, I'm interested. And it was, you know, that's a difficult situation because it's a really big job to sort of teach someone on board them. Where do you start? Uh, you know, do you start teaching them about what a blockchain is or what a wallet is and then security and seed phrases and um, gas and MetaMask and there's so much to learn. And so I said, wouldn't it be great if there's just this website that, you know, everyone could direct everyone to and just say, hey, go to zenacademy.com and it'll just like teach you everything. And I got really excited by that idea. And then a couple of weeks thinking about it and working on it and like starting to get started, I was like, oh, this is actually an absolutely monumental task because uh, there's a reason it hadn't been done because of how enormous it is to actually do to not just create content for everything that exists, but keep it updated because the space is constantly changing all the time, keep it accurate. And so I was like, all right, scrap that idea. That, that's too much. And actually scrapped and put a pin in Zen Academy as a whole for like a month or two. But then uh, in October, I was planning to go to America for some conferences, but because of COVID travel restrictions, I couldn't. And so I had like a whole month and I, I said, let me revisit the Zen Academy idea. And maybe instead of like trying to just build this massive website that just one-stop shop solves everything thing was monumental. So let me just start small with a discord server and go community first. And I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I just know that I want to be building in this space, creating content, educating, informing. And that was, that was the history of the, the origins of Zen Academy. So we launched November 9th, 2021, um, with both Zen Academy and the three, three, three club. And it's been a really wild year and a bit since then. Yeah, I can imagine. And you launched kind of like in the height of the uh, the bull market. November is a, a good time to launch. Um, it, yeah, it was it was an interesting time to launch. So ETH and Bitcoin and everything was crazy high. Gas was also really high. And NFTs were actually in a bit of a slump. Like obviously nothing compared to this uh, 2022 and this year. Yeah, but I remember. To, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. So um, yeah, it was an interesting time to launch. Yeah, ETH was at like an all-time high. I remember yeah, it, back it in November, especially. 45, 4,800. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy pricing. And then it's, so what you're, basically what you're saying here is like, you basically found another painful uh, position for people in in the crypto and NFT space where there was no educational services, at least none that were like congealed. That was actually a really well done, like I would say online course and community and things like that. And you, and you, built the discord first to see if you can actually build a, a very, you know, a good size community. And then you have like your, your captive audience in a way. And then you say, Hey, what do you guys want? And then you service that audience. Um, so you went, you went community market fit. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I, I wouldn't say that there weren't a good educational because there was a lot of great educational resources, but it was sure. like, it was very scattered and difficult to find. And so I just wanted to do it my way, put my spin on it. And like you said, community market fit, go community first and think about like, try and look at what the community wants and needs and, and how I and, and we as a team can be as impactful and helpful to people. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to build a company, a business, a project, a brand, anything, it's all about um, helping people at the end of the day. Uh, you know, a good product is a product that someone wants because it helps them. They, it helps them feel good about themselves. It helps them save time, save money, make money, um, you know, live a better life. Uh, services are the same. And I think, you know, if you look at building community, building a company, building a project from the lens of helping people first, I think everything else kind of just falls into place easily after that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That it's a, a very well, very good way of saying it. 
So when you launched Zen Academy, do you, did you ever think it was going to be as big as it is like when you launched it? No, I really didn't. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, nice. in the first I mean, four to five months, maybe even six months, uh, I would, I think I even said it in the Discord and announcements, I would talk to, I'd tell anyone that asked, I would say it to like the, the smallish team that we had at the time. You know, I'm not trying to take over the world. I'm not, not crazy ambitious. I don't want to be, you know, the biggest project out there. I'm happy being like a small, like, humble little server, just doing our own thing and um, having a, a, a stress-free life and, and not really worrying about, you know, all of this the madness out there. And I don't know when exactly it changed. I think it's probably around, somewhere around June last year, but it just started, I started getting more, uh, what's the word? Not motivated, uh, ambitious, I guess, and and wanted to like just take on more and more and do more. And it was for a lot of reasons, but um, the, the team was just slowly and steadily scaling and growing. And we had um, people join, you know, all throughout 2022, really. But um, and it was just, you know, getting this incredible crew of people together and the community was growing and, you know, the market was really bearish, but we were constantly busy. And I started realizing just sort of like what potential we had if, if I and we did want to turn this into something much larger. And so from literally a Discord server with no roadmap and no real desire to turn it into something too crazy big, uh, now we're at a point where we are setting our sights high and we are wanting to, you know, because we, we spent a year, a year and a half building community, building educational resources and courses and structure and meeting in real life and doing all sorts of stuff. And now I think we can set our sights larger and do things like uh, we're launching a PFP, we're building a consulting business, uh, you know, we're building out more of the media side and yeah, just, I had no plans, ideas, just like when I got into the space, I had no plans to be a content creator. Even when I launched an Academy, I had no plans for it to become anywhere near as large as it is now. And, uh, that's funny how life happens. Yeah. You're a happy accident again. You found a pain point. You filled the, you filled the pain point a little bit and then you saw how many people we're interested in like learning from you, which is amazing. How many members are in Zen Academy right now? So, I mean, in the Discord, we got 20, 25,000, but in terms of token holders, I think it's somewhere around 6,000 unique holders. Uh, yeah, something like that. We have uh, in a few weeks later this month, hopefully, if all goes to plan, we're launching student IDs, and these are going to be free NFTs that anyone can claim. Soulbound. Um, meaning they can't be transferred or sold. So there's no speculation or financial nature to it, but they're, they're a way for you know anyone to join our ecosystem because we realize that you know part of onboarding is you know people are at the very beginning of their journeys and to have a token that gates any part of the, the experience at a, like, I don't know, a floor price is 0.6 or something now is extremely prohibitive. Even a floor price of 0.03, what we minted at, that was prohibitive for some people. Um, Free is our way of, of making the community more accessible and and hopefully expanding it to you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions one day. If uh, if Discord can handle it, right? <laughs> yes, you know I think it can because I was I'm in the mid journey Discord for the AI tool and I think it has like almost two million people or something. Wow, that's crazy! I've been in a Discord before that had like hundreds of thousands and it was it was like literally it's, pure chaos. It's insane. Yeah. It's just the messages go by so fast. How do you moderate that? You know what I mean? Like someone could ask a question, it's buried within like a millisecond. And it's like, was that a question? I didn't, I couldn't tell. It flew by. Yeah. I, I don't know how to, I, I have enough trouble like managing our humble Discord server. I, don't, I wouldn't want to <laughs> do a million person server. Yeah. So I agree with that. Oh my God. It's, it's amazing though. Growth like that though, that's a, that's a like really good problem to have, right? So many people in a discord, you have a, you know, collective audience all wanting, you know, basically going towards the same thing. And not only that, you like preach like a lot of empathy and I appreciate that in the space. There's like, um, I'm all about positivity and like, uh, you know, empathy and like, you know, there's already enough negative stuff in the world. Like why make, why overcomplicate things by having, you know what I mean? More, you know, negative takes all day long. Like it's just exhausting. So, I mean, I, hopefully like this show and, you know, your audio spaces and your, and your, obviously your Zen Academy and your message is so positive. I'm such a fan of the positivity because we, I just think we need, the world actually needs more of this. So again, uh, Zeneca, you're awesome, man. So 
question question to you in terms of like how you are doing your project. At first, when people came into this, it seems like when you, they came into your project, you had, you know, like letters of, hey, you've been, ex, you know, you're, you're part of the Zen Academy. And then now you have this like interesting way of like burning a burning mechanic for a chest um, or a couple of chests. Can you go into like, like how that worked? So when you first launched, you use like a, you use the letter and then that letter turned into something. Can you go into like the details of that? Yeah, definitely. So when we launched, uh, as I mentioned before, it was a time when gas was really, really high and I wanted to do something simple and uh, I didn't really intend for it to be. I, I, ironically, I was very steadfast. I was like, I don't want to do a PFP project. The space doesn't need another PFP project. There are hundreds of PFPs out there. I don't want to launch another one. Um, and there weren't many like membership clubs back then. Now we obviously have a lot of membership clubs as well. But uh, And it's ironic that now we're doing a PFP after this again. Like 8 billion more launched. But, um, so I said an ERC 1155 is going to be just fine. It's going to serve our purpose. And that's like an NFT where it's like the same token image that everyone has. However, and, and one of the benefits was that it's, it's a lot lower in gas to mint. And especially if you mint multiples, this was like before Azuki did ERC 721A or gas optimized contracts were like really more popularized. So, um, we, we launched with these and, they served our purpose great, but there's limitations to the token format. Um, it it just makes things like snapshotting and airdropping a little more difficult. It makes people, you know, um, it it's harder for like, DApps tools and platforms to like work well with them. Uh, like if it, if anyone has tried using like a lending protocol, I think it's harder with ES eleven fifty fives. And just like that's one example. Is there's dozens. So. After a while, I realized, all right, at some point, I think we should probably upgrade and move over to 721s. And because we're doing a PFP, we thought it was like a pretty good way to bridge from the letter to the PFP by introducing this sort of, we're calling it a Zen chest, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a Renga black box or a Clonex vial or a mutant serum mechanic where people uh, can burn their letters and they'll receive a, a Zen chest, a one-for-one Genesis letter to a Zen chest. And then once our PFP is, is ready, uh, they'll be able to open the chest, again, burning it to get their PFP. Uh, the utility remains the same across all. So, and, and there's no like deadline or cutoff date. So if someone's, and actually we, we literally have someone who's in a Buddhist monastery for two years. I spoke to him wow. about a year ago, um, we had a video call. He's in the three 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 club, which I haven't spoken much about. But he was like, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be, you know, going away for two years. Is there anything, you know, that you can potentially tell me that I might miss out on, or should I sell?" Or and I was like, you know, I, I, I effectively promised him then because I, I always believe that we're not going to do like a burn date. There's a cutoff, and if you miss it because you're busy or you're traveling or you have, you know, sick family or you're in a Buddhist monastery, that you, you miss out. So there's no deadline or cutoff date for burning. And it's just our way of upgrading the tokens from the letters to chests and 721. And then it introduces this fun mechanic where when the PFPs are ready, people have a decision, right? It's, it's do you burn the chest and get your PFP or do you hold on to the chest and, and keep it a mystery? And I think it's a really fun mechanic. It's not new. Like I'm not, we've never claimed to be pioneers of it, but there's been a bunch of projects that have it, but I've always really enjoyed it. I think it's really fun. I think the community gets you know, excited when, you know, someone comes along to, you know, burn in your chest, maybe someone has 10, they're going to burn at once. What are you going to get? What traits are going to come out? Uh, maybe there are one of ones or rares that haven't been revealed yet. And it introduces this fun dynamic where uh, the price of the unrevealed chests will generally go up and as more people burn them because of supply shock and the whole mystery element and uh, collectability and all that. So that's kind of the thesis behind it. And, and the one Last bit I didn't mention is with the 333 club, we did something slightly different where anyone that burned their 333 letter received a, a beautiful uh, membership card. And this is an ESC 721. And this one they will keep forever. So this is like a a real for life card. And um, with that card, they were able to claim three Zen chests. So they had a slightly different process. But effectively, yeah, moving from the letters to chests and then soon to PFPs. Uh, question to you. I love the idea. I love the mechanics. And yeah, it's not it's not like you're in, you know reinventing the wheel here, but you're doing some really interesting. I like that you're just taking advantage of this because there's a lot of projects that just don't take advantage of like burn mechanics or anything like that. They just they just go right, and then they just airdrop you new things in in the future. 
Uh, are you, have you guys considered that like Twitter blue also might affect how many people wear your PFP now because of like how they take away that check mark now that they, you know, everybody has it. Is it, have you guys thought that through? Cause I know PFPs are huge for marketing. You know what I mean? Like anybody can see your PFP and they're like, Oh my God, I know what that is. Come on in. You know what I mean? Like just by yeah. looking at your PFP, you can tell, but now that Twitter blue goes away, what do you, how do you feel about that? Honestly, I can't keep up with Twitter. <laughs> it's, <laughs> right? it's it's been a crazy couple months, and so I think true. trying to plan where it'll be in two months is is yeah, it's it's a losing task. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if people can still use it as a PF, well, I think you change their PFP, right? Or maybe the, you you can, but you lose your PFP? yeah. So you can then um, if you change it, if you have a that you pay the eleven or eight dollars, yeah, it goes away. The checkmark goes away, and they don't say mm. for how long it could be. A month, the next billing cycle, or until they get around to, you yeah. know, giving it back. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how long it takes because <laughs> they mean, won't say. They won't that say. is a genuine <laughs> concern. You're right because Twitter is a, a fantastic marketing and community building and strengthening tool and and a platform. And a big part of it is having people show off their PFPs on Twitter. So if people are not able to or wanting to switch because they lose their Twitter blue, then yeah, it's a bit of a problem. But I think it's. Uh, I mean, you know, we're still a. a a few months, you know, say two to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give an exact timeline, but we're, we're months away from the actual launch of the PFPs. So hopefully Twitter sorts its stuff out by then. Yeah, no, I get it. It makes perfect sense. And you're right. I'm sure they'll, they'll be sorting out the blue then because people definitely want to change their, their profile. I mean, I want to change my profile picture really badly right now. I've been wanting to for, you know, as long, you know, uh, I would say for at least three or four weeks, but they put that that little rule in place, and I was like, "Oh man, I can't change my image anymore." I used to switch it up depending on the space I was going to too, because I would be a part of multiple communities, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going into this community space today. I'm going to show my support and switch my profile picture up." And yeah, you just can't do it anymore. It's definitely a strange thing, and I get why they do it. It's just I I just don't know how like like I said, they're very ambiguous on like how long how long you know you don't get the check mark back. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Crook King. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, they even sometimes will lock you from not even allowing you to. It took three days and a request for me to get out of my Christmas one. And then I still have He's talking. Them. I can't hear. I might have gotten rugged. Oh, no, I might have rugged. Yeah, Let he's me jump down. yeah, he's talking. He'll, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave and come back. I'll be one second. I can hear you just fine, Crip King. Okay, perfect. Uh, no, I was just saying. Is, that, can anybody like, else hear him? Uh, is there, is, can everybody else hear him? You know, throw your hands up in the air if you can hear him. Crip King. Yeah, yeah. Any emojis? Speak, Crip. Speak real quick, buddy. Yes. Testing one, two, three. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, I was just saying that it takes. Uh, like I, I tried to get in contact with them to find out when to check. Yeah, it takes forever for or for them to come back around, and then they locked me out for a second where I couldn't even change it. So, yeah, it's it's weird to see what's gonna where that's gonna go for sure. Yeah, did you uh, do you have anything else, Crip King? Or? Yeah, well, uh, Zeneca, one thing I I remember uh, you being one of the early guys in the space. I'm not sure if uh, if you want to get into it, but you had wrote a letter to the community addressing like projects and utility, and it was a very impactful letter. Like, or I don't know if you want to call it a letter or a thread or whatever, and it was like do better on utilities, and it kind of changed how a lot of people viewed even. I don't, for me, it changed. Uh, number one, you stepped up. Number two, you went against the grain. Number three, you kind of like, it was epic, uh, I don't know, letter or thread. Can you touch into that a little bit if you want to, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I I think you're talking about a newsletter I wrote titled Be Better. And it was an open letter. Absolutely. An open letter to anyone launching an NFT project. And it was in November last, uh, 2021. I got to get used to it. <laughs> it's not last year anymore. Uh, and I think it was at a time when there were like a ton of rug projects, a ton of low effort projects just coming and minting out and raising a bunch of money. And uh, it was, yeah, just ask, just kind of like, you know, highlighting this issue of all of these projects just copy pastes of each other with the same roadmap. It was all uh, at 25% minute out, we're going to do merge at 50%. We're going to do an airdrop at 75%. We're going to donate to charity at hundred percent. We're going to do, you know, follow up collection or staking or DAO or whatever the hot flavor of the month was. And I was just, you know, not a fan of it. And I knew many other people in the space weren't a fan of it, but it was working. And so uh, it was kind of the, while it was 
titled towards NFT um, founders and people launching projects, there was a good amount of it, if I'm remembering correctly, also talking to like market participants and saying, you know, we're also responsible. If we're buying these copycat crappy projects, then we're just supporting, um, you know, with our money and our wallets, these, these low effort cash grabs. And it's it was a tricky situation because, you know, the people who could, get in early and play the game right, they could make money by buying them and, and didn't really care if the project had no legs because they would sell at the first sign of um, price action. And it, yeah, it was just, I don't know, that, that one I remember actually, it's coming back to me a little more vividly because up until then, I was very methodical with like writing my letters. I would always, you know, it would take me, when I first started my newsletter, it would take me like four days to write a newsletter. I'd researched a lot and it was, and then it was like, all right, at least six, seven hours, a full day on a, on a newsletter, properly researched. And this one, I just sat down and like for like an hour and a half, I just wrote and then just hit submit. And I didn't go back and edit and check it or anything. I used to always send it to a friend to like check it. And I was like, you know what? It was just, that was a, like almost a turning point where I was like, I'm just going to write my thoughts and then just send it out and see what happens. And um, the feedback was pretty positive. A couple of people were uh, not thrilled with it, but generally, yeah, positive. Yeah, for me, uh, I remember seeing it. And it was something that I was like, oh, my, I, it was a turning point, uh, not only on me uh, getting exposed to who you were, but also like seeing someone who was a leader in the community actually kind of put his foot in the sand and saying, wait a second, this not only to both sides, like you said, and say, uh, this is the responsibility of us. So, yeah, for me, it was a time where like, I, I think it was a big time where I, I recognized you. And uh, from that point on, I was, you know, like I followed your kind of your philosophy. Cause I think we all have individual philosophy and it was like, okay, you know, this is very positive and, and it's impactful. And he took a stand, you know, and it showed me kind of a way that we should all in a sense act, you know? <clears throat> yeah. I appreciate you saying that. It, yeah. It, it's such a different space now than it was then, which is, like it's the same in many ways, but the market has really changed. Like, you know, we went through the whole free mint phase and then we got to a point where people wouldn't even mint a free mint. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's just gas is so different. It was, it was crazy. People would pay $200 to mint something. I remember actually back in May, I think it was May 2021, I minted Punk's comics and I paid like $500 in gas for each. <laughs> what a, what a different world. It was such a different world. I, I remember that as well. Like June, July, August, all of that was like crazy gas pricing. You know, you, you there's something there for like $50 or $100 in ETH. And all of a sudden you're like buying it for like a 253 And it was normal to us. We like normalized it. It was easier to be like, oh, that's just the cost of doing business. Because everything back then was like 5Xing, 10Xing right after Mint. And it's like, oh, okay, well, no big deal. We'll get this money back. Just include it. In my Excel spreadsheet, when we <laughs> when I go to what sell it, and what it was, yeah, it was. It's just crazy thinking back how how it was like maddening, absolutely maddening. It is. I used to, I actually used to say up is down, left is right in the NFT space. Like you just don't know what's going to go up, what's going to go down. You know, it's like cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria over here. And um, if you think you know what you're you know you're talking about in the space back in like. July and August of 2021, like you definitely were wrong. Like it was just, it was definitely going to be the wrong answer almost every time. So like, I was always like, no way is that going to work. And all of a sudden it just worked every time. I was like, wow, that worked. Okay. Even that worked. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Guys, just real quick, everybody in the space, if you can retweet out the space real quick at the top, I'm going to be giving out a PO app for this space. So if you can retweet out the space above, I will dm and keep your dms open i will dm everyone who actually retweets out the space with a link to a poap for you so uh in commemoration of our second poap drop for the show just give it a retweet i'll go through and uh dm each one of you i know it's a lot of work but i gotta do it it's part of the deal right now so i have the spe like amazing special guest today zeneca he's a he's just again like super positive force in the space if you haven't followed him yet definitely follow zeneca i mean he's got nothing but good stuff to say he's got zen academy and the 333 club and that actually gives me like the perfect segue to talk about the 333 club like what was the like what was that moment where you're like you know what i think we need something bigger i think we need something better than not just regular membership but like an, a higher tier of membership of the 333 club and by the way i know 
that was a floor price like nine and a half ETH right now for three 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 club passes. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. So I mean, it, it minted out at three point three three ETH. So it's wow. it was a high min price, wow. especially at that time, and it was definitely controversial. Uh, and so, so you, you asked what was the moment? I can actually remember. Yeah, I was uh, chatting to. Um, Ben and Mai, who were two friends of mine who I'd recently met um, at the time in October last year, and they were actually doing the smart contract and all the dev work for the, the, the Mint actually did. They did the website, they did the, the, the smart contracts, everything. Um, and I had been, uh, they were the first project I advised. Like I, I, in September, October, I think I put out a, I think it was September, um, uh, a, a tweet with a Google form saying, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about advising some projects. Is anyone interested? Please fill out this form." And there was like 80 responses in 24 hours, and I was like, "Well, that's insane." Um, <laughs> and so I went through and I, I decided to work with I think four, and but uh, Curious Addies Trading Club, which was Ben and Mai's project, was the first uh, first one I, I joined on with, and they were just the most incredible people that close friends to this day and that they did the smart contracts for the Zen chests and they're going to do the smart contracts for the PFP there. They're the best. They have their own platform now, heymint.xyz. It's, I recommend it to everyone. But uh, we were in a Discord chat just talking about dev stuff, smart contracts and, and uh, supply and, and mint dynamics and all that. And uh, it was uh, Ben who like suggested and he was like, you know, you, you, you have all these people that want, you know, to hire you as an advisor, maybe you should consider like a second tier of Zen Academy where you know you can provide some sort of advisory services um, on like maybe a light mode to a smaller community and, and build a community around founders and builders. And, and that sort of like stuck with me. And uh, then price-wise, I was like trying to think about it and like, do I just do 0.33, do I do one ETH? And supply, is it 100, is it 1,000? And I just ended up going with all threes because we're going to stay on brand. My Twitter account, Zeneca33. Um, and the reason for that is I was literally 33 years old when I created it. So there's no crazy numerology or anything behind it. But um, So that was kind of where the idea came from and, and stemmed from. It was like I was doing some advising. Um, I'd been doing it for like a month, six weeks, and I had a lot of demand and interest to hire me. And I couldn't work with most people. And I thought maybe building and curating a community of people who uh, – where the focus was on founders and builders and people who had projects to come and um, learn from one another and network, but also get access to uh, one-on-one like office hours time with me, which has now expanded to other team members. We have Emily, who I think is in the audience, or she was in the audience, uh, Mushroom and Momo, uh, who are like effectively head of marketing technology and, and uh, operations at Zen Academy. They all make their calendars available to anyone in the 333 to book some time to get some advice about their project or anything really, social media, marketing. And so it's it's turned into like a, a place for founders. But I mean, I would say 30% of people in there don't have a project. It, it, they just wanted to be part of a smaller, in, more intimate community or um, something like that. So it's, yeah, that's where it stemmed from. And it's it's been an insane journey uh, in and of itself. But uh, it's such a fantastic group of people that I, I really, really treasure. That's great. And how many uh, have people gone through, like, how much volume? Basically, I should just ask, like, how, how often has the 333 Club actually, like, exchanged hands? Like, you know, someone comes in, gets what they need out of it, and then they, they move on and, like, sell, sell to another person who's definitely very, very interested. Yeah. So like, how, does, that, does that community actually, like, turn over a lot? That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know how many ever have turned over because... Again, this goes back to one of the issues with ERC eleven fifty five is that both the original sure. letters and three three were on the same contract, so it wasn't easy to see. But oh yeah, just, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Just guessing, uh, I think there's probably maybe been like close to a hundred sales over the last fourteen months. Uh, but it was more in the first six to eight months, and then maybe we get like one a week lately, or one every two weeks. So there's not a lot of turnover, um, and it's totally understandable. Like you know. People have a project and then they decide not to launch it because you know the market is awful, or that you know there's so many reasons that people might want to leave. And but we we don't have a lot of turnover at this point, which is um, kind of nice. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, I was looking to actually acquire one of those passes, but then I was just like, well, that's too rich for my blood. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> no way. <laughs> right now I can't get in there, but, uh, I, you know, I, I plan on it in the future cause that seems like a really good, uh, a really good idea, at least from, from my point, point of view. So that's pretty cool. So what are, uh, for people in the audience, you know, people, my listeners are, you know, some, there, there's a crossover from like really, really, you know, obviously founders in my, in my audience down here all the way over to like brand new people in the space. What kind of advice would give people like number one that want like that wanted to become builders in the web three space. And number two, like what if people are, I've heard this a lot, like how do you find a job in the web three space? A lot of people want to go full-time web three and uh, you know, it's tough. And I, and I guess, I guess this is like a perfect segue to, you know, go to the Zen Academy, right? Yes, actually. <laughs> we're, 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 we're actively <laughs> working on a course right now for anyone that wants to find a job uh, as like a moderator or community manager, because I think that's one of the best ways to like get your foot in the door and like an entry level, I say entry level or like a, well, it's easier to get, you, you don't necessarily need hard skills. You don't need to know how to code solidity or have a background in, in social media or marketing. Um, it's something that anyone can learn relatively easily with just some soft skills. And, but it's not something that everyone knows how to do or is good at. So we're putting together a course like that. Um, one of our moderators and community managers are writing that and definitely have plans to expand to other courses for people looking to find jobs. Uh, I think I'll answer, I guess, in reverse because I'm already talking about jobs. To me, the best way to find a job in Web3 is just being active in the space and putting feelers out and connecting and networking, talking to people, building up a network. Um, you know, I've hired, I think, 25-ish people now. I've never looked at a CV or resume. Uh, every single person, I, I believe, has been hired through the Zen Academy Discord. It, it's been a community member who's been active. Um, and that I've, you know, either, you know, Zen Academy or 333 Discord. Um, and it's just by, and, and I know so many other founders and people in the space who always prefer to hire from within the Discord or from Twitter spaces or from uh, any any just place that people hang out in, in Web3 because it's, it's really difficult to one of the most difficult things is to understand like the culture and the ethos of the space. And so if you find someone who has an impressive resume, but like they're only like fairly new to web three and NFTs and crypto, then they're going to struggle to get up to speed versus someone else who might understand the space a lot better. And so, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot less jobs now because of the bear market, but there are still jobs and opportunities. And I think just, um, if you want to work in web three, the best thing you can do is just like put in the time to connect and network with people and, and just keep learning and, that's 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 what I would say there. And then, in terms of advice for project founders, um, I, my general advice is: uh, I, I ask people, do you, I, do you really want to do this? Uh, are you sure you know what you're getting yourself in for? Um, honestly, like I think, pretty good advice is: don't do it. Uh, it obviously depends on the person, <laughs> the idea, the project, all of that. But it is really hard to. Um, create a successful project, especially, you know, in the current climate, macro is terrible. Crypto is in a terrible winter. NFT is seeing, NFTs are seeing the worst bear market they've seen. Uh, you know, money is drying up. It's really tough. So know what you're getting yourself in for, um, have a very clear plan, um, product market fit. Something more important, I think than product market fit is founder market fit. And that is, uh, having, being a founder, having a founder who understands the space, who has the mentality, the tenacity, the temperament to stick through the madness, the chaos, because you, you cannot plan for Web3 and NFTs and crypto. You, you cannot possibly plan. Uh, it is constantly changing. The legal landscape is, you know, murky at best. Uh, you, you know, the markets change with uh, outside your control. Uh, it, it's fickle. And so someone can be extremely talented and proficient and successful at launching Web2 companies and businesses and done tremendously, but they might not be cut out for Web3 or they might not want to be in Web3 because it requires a lot of time and a lot of attention. And yeah, I, I generally caution and, and make people think twice and thrice before like, trying to launch their own project. I think it's, it's a lot... Um, easier and softer to like just work in web three as, um, you know, whatever, uh, 
community manager, a social media manager, a marketer, a consultant, um, a lawyer, and and you you work with projects. But if if you're gonna you know go all in and, and do your own, uh, it is insanely risky, and uh, most by far most end up failing. So I, I just generally caution against it. Kind of like towards the end of my poker career, actually, even like five years in, I just stopped. Like if anyone was like, should I be a professional poker player? I was like, no. <laughs> I've seen enough people come and, and, and lose too much money to ever recommend um, professional poker. And at this point, unfortunately, I've seen uh, too many project founders put their heart and soul into a project and then just have it not take off. And um, best case scenario, they, they've wasted six months or a year of their life. Worst case scenario, you know, they've, they've lost life savings, they've given up jobs and, and all sorts of terrible things. So think long and hard before launching a project is, is my advice. Would you say, would you say also like community expectations are a little bit different in the space compared to like web two space? Oh, a hundred percent. So I wrote uh, a letter on the, I think I did, or it was a Twitter thread. It was called uh, impossible expectations. And it's exactly about the fact that in this space, like nowhere else, uh, I believe you have a community that is, has a direct line to the team which is, is very direct and very vocal and, and like Twitter and Discord are so such prominent um, places and platforms for people to discuss projects and um, discuss what they're happy about but also what they're unhappy about. And on top of that, um, there's a lot of financial speculation that is outside of anyone's control. And uh, so people are making money, people are also losing money and when people lose money or make money, emotions run high. Uh, but I think perhaps the most important or significant part is if you have a project with uh, 10,000, let's say 10,000 collection, it applies to 1,000 or 5,000 or any size, off, you know, less so for like a very, very small community. But let's say 10K collection, um, you now have a whole, you have you know, probably five, 6,000 unique holders, 4,000. These are all different people who have different reasons for being part of the project. Some people are there just to flip. They just want to make money and that's their only goal. Some people are there because they love the community and the team. Some people are there because they love what the the project is building or what you know they're saying they're going to build and they're excited by the idea. Some people are there right. to hold because they like the art and they're to collect. And so everyone has different expectations. So any decision you make, you're never going to be able to please everyone because you might make something that's good for a five-year time horizon but is bad for a one-week time horizon. And people who are just there to flip are going to be unhappy because maybe the floor price is going down. And then on top of all of this, everyone at a certain point, like after a while, after Mint, is going to have a different entry point. Some people buy at mint. Some people buy at 10x mint. You know, one a point one mint price. You might have people buying in for eight ETH, and now all of a sudden you have a community where some people have paid a hundred dollars to get in, and some people have paid eight thousand dollars to get in, and ostensibly they're effectively on the same level. They have the same utility and perks and NFTs, but they have different expectations because someone paid eight thousand dollars for it, and someone paid a hundred dollars. So it's it's crazy. It's impossible, and yeah, impossible. Right, that's what I was saying. It's crazy. Yes, I want to throw. I want to throw a question out. Like um, daily healthy habits. Like for you know builders are trying to stay on course. We're trying to you know keep uh, level headed. Like, do you have daily uh, habits that you know you maybe split the day up? Things that you do to keep you from maybe avoiding burnout or, or things like that. This is something I need to be better at because I got pretty burned out towards the end of last year. November, December was crazy. I was doing a lot of travel overseas. Take, I was in like 16 hours of meetings a day for a long time and it was really too much. So, But, but the one thing that I've always tried to do and I was failing at this even last year but is like sleep. And I think sleep is the single most important thing to everything in terms of health, physical and mental health and just ensuring you get seven, eight hours of sleep every single day, um, ideally at roughly the same time each day. Uh, that's probably the, the most impactful habit. And the other thing I've done and still do is I try to take weekends off because I think it's very easy to get caught up in a seven-day work cycle and then you just burn out and it's just you need to take breaks. And so it doesn't have to be weekends. You can take Tuesdays and Tuesdays off or whatever. But um, for me, it just works out better to take weekends off. And this year I'm trying to be better with all of it. And so just doing things like waking up and not immediately jumping on my phone, like taking the time to have a shower, stretch, drink water and write some goals for the day. Like that is takes half an hour 
and it's just like it's so easy to say but it's hard to do because it's so tempting to just start scrolling Twitter and check the floor price of the collections or the ETH price. But um, that I think will really help as well. Yeah. Oh my God. I do exactly what you just said. I definitely do not get enough sleep and I'm always on my phone. I don't even, I don't even like open my eyes before I'm like, I'm like reaching for my phone. Like I'm touching for it. I'm like, there it is. And I grab it. And the thing I open my eyes to is my phone. Like I'm sometimes I'm like, Ooh, so there's no doubt you got to actually have some balance here. Zeneca, great advice. Love it. Um, we got about five minutes left in the show. Like, does anybody have any questions? I just want to make sure if you do, pop that little purple button at the bottom and leave leave basically the question you want to ask Zeneca here, and we will ask it to him right now. Otherwise, we're going to keep going with a couple more questions. Um, Zeneca, when is that? You said your PFP project's launching um, two, three months from now, um, but obviously no promises. Do you... Is that why you actually also put on your website? It's like literally there's no guarantee of anything here. There's no, what I love about your, you, you drop on your website just like there's guarantee of nothing, right? It's literally yeah. the best. I mean, like it's the best <laughs> message you could ever leave. No, seriously, I really believe that. Best message you could ever leave as a founder is like, guys, expect nothing and be pleasantly surprised when I like under promise and over deliver. Yeah, that's the goal under promise, over deliver. Uh, and, on the original Mint site for the, the first tokens, uh, there was literally uh, every project, this was actually a week after I wrote that Be Better letter, which the timing is actually interesting now that I reflect back on it. But um, every project had a, a roadmap and we had a link that was literally titled Not a Roadmap. And that's where I said, hey, there's no promises. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing for starters. I've never launched a project. I've never <laughs> run a company. I've never done anything. Um, I've only been awesome. in the space for eight months. Uh, I just know that I want to be building and educating and creating content and building a community. Um, and you know, just know what you're getting yourself in for. Know that this is an experiment. Know that I don't have a plan and I really did not have any sort of plan. Uh, and if you're up for coming along for the ride, then thank you. And I will, you know, keep working and see where this leads us. And it's with a similar ethos that we're going into the PFP. Obviously, there's a little more we're hoping to promise and deliver on in terms of incredible art and, and uh, you know, bringing together uh, just a few more magical touches. Uh, but, and then timeline-wise, we, we have been saying uh, Q1 for the PFP. We did make a pivot in art direction last month, so that, that might be changing slightly. But uh, again, one of the most amazing things about our community is that since day one, because of this sort of um, ethos and the, this under-promise and, and over-deliver, you know, I know that the community is not going to just fud us to the ground if we have to you know, um, launch a month after maybe we were hoping to. Um, they'll know that we have a good reason for it. They'll know that we're just trying to do what's best for everyone and create a great PFP. And, um, you know, we will obviously communicate and we're always transparent about everything. But, yeah, under-promise, over-deliver is, is such a great approach. And, and But it's, it's a difficult balance as well because, you know, part of marketing and building hype and uh, getting attention in this space, and attention is the greatest currency in the world these days, um, 100, yep. is, yep. you know, you have to promise something or you have to, you have to do it in some way. You have to, you have to think about how to do it. And the traditional way is, oh, we're going to go to the moon. We're going to deliver so much value and utility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I've cautioned, I've, I've generally historically cautioned away from that. Um, I think there's a fine line and a delicate balance to, to find. And I'm trying to find that right now where I, look, I am personally very excited about everything we're building and I am bullish as all hell on us. And I want to share that, but I also don't want to set unrealistic expectations. And, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, you're right. It is a fine balance because you don't really know like what people are going to be, what's, what's going <clears> to, <throat> what's going to trigger them into pulling the trigger on something. Right. And it is. Marketing is all about that. It's like you get this, 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 and this. You actually want to give people some kind of like, you know, 10x of what they're spending, right? At the end of the day, you you at least want to like, you. that's like a, a natural inclination, especially with like ed tech or educational uh, tools like this. You, you're like, hey, you know, spend 100 bucks or 500 bucks and you're going to 10x that in return in terms of value. If you actually, if you you execute 
the things we taught you. Of course, you can't just like watch a video. You can't just learn something new and then not apply it and then go, where's, where's the ROI on my, you know, on my investment. It's like, well, it's just like school. If you don't practice what you learn in school, if you don't practice what you learn in real life, if you're like, you're not doing any of these things that execute or you're like executing like one tenth of what you learned, like you'll have like probably one tenth or less of the success. Now, if you execute on all, you're firing all, on all cylinders, even then, you know, eight, like not, like I would say 80% of the time it works and there's always a 20% chance it doesn't work for you. You know what I mean? Like that method doesn't work. So it's interesting and it seems like a, it's just a really good business you're building here and an amazing community. And it all starts from the top. As far as I'm concerned, when you teach, when you come into the space, like with a, like a pure, like pure intentions, you teach and you show people how it should be in your community and you don't accept the folks that come in. And I'm sure you've dealt with, and let me, let me ask you that, the kind of like, drives into my, my last question. I could say, do you think there was a, was there ever like, I'm sure you've had to deal with this, but I'm just going to ask anyway, is that have people come into your space and like kind of try to disrupt and, you know, just like mess up your, your uh, harmonious ecosystem that was, that's been built over, you know, the last year here for you. Are there like trolls and, you know, bot attacks, things like that, that actually happen in like discords and Twitter yeah. and like stuff like that. Uh, Tell me more about that a little bit. If you very can. Far and few between. It has happened, but thankfully, we just for starters we're pretty self-regulating, so that if someone comes into the Discord and they're really angry or upset or lashing out, um, the response by not just like our moderators and, and team, but also other community members, is not to like fight back, but it's to ask them like, are they okay? Is, is you know something wrong? Like, why are they upset? And and you know, is there anything that we can do to help? And you know, it's generally uh, mollifies most situations. I think we've only ever had to ban one person uh, because of like how antagonistic they were being for a prolonged period of time. Uh, but uh, I mean, aside from that, we have had bot attacks. I think basically every single Discord server has dealt with that. If you have an NFT project, uh, you just need to. It's funny you set up your own bots to prevent the bots getting in, and it's like bot versus bot wars. Um, we did have the Discord hacked. Um, Actually, the three 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 Discord and then my personal Twitter, um, the Zen Academy Discord has not ever been hacked. But um, th there's things like that and frictions along the way. But it's largely been a, a harmonious a year and a, a bit, and I, I credit so much of it to the community and the incredible team that I have, uh, you know, working alongside me to just yeah continue building all the weird building. It's it's really I, I feel very humbled and blessed. Hey, I want to, uh, Zinnika, throw out my last question. Uh, so, you know, uh, just getting into the your mind and philosophy, uh, like you, previous uh, role models, Web2 maybe, uh, like for me, one of the books that stand out, The 48 Laws of Power, when I was coming through and, you know, I learned from somebody, Zig Ziglar, when I was young. Do you have anybody you can point to and say these were previous role models or impactful books that I read that kind of changed my mind in certain ways? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this will have to be my last question. i got to jump uh, right after this, but... Uh, no Seneca, obviously my namesake from <laughs> my inspiration for my screen name, the uh, Stoic philosopher and Marcus Aurelius, massive inspirations. Um, Man's Search for Meaning, a great book by Viktor Frankl, which touches on a lot of the same philosophies. Uh, I like David Foster Wallace, uh, fantastic uh, writer, thinker. Um, he has this excellent speech that he gave called This is Water, and I think everyone should watch that on YouTube or listen to it. Uh, Tim Minchin, Australian singer, songwriter, really funny guy, but also really thoughtful and has a way with words that uh, I really enjoy and like. Um, Anthony Bourdain and Eric Repair, two chefs. I mean, I'm big into food and I love their philosophies. And yeah, that, that's, that's a few. Yeah, it seems like Stoic philosophy is a big part of your uh, a big part of your process here and empathy. I really like it. One one last positive message before you leave. What what, do you, what would you tell um, people in the Web three space right now during the bear market to actually keep their spirits up? Things like that. Like, is there a, a message you want to send out to founders and a message you want to send out to people who are just in the space creating content, and everything like that, in this like just trying to do their part? Is there a single message you could possibly leave them with? Yeah, um, I would just say just 
remember how early we still are in the grand scheme of things. And I don't mean that in a, oh, we're so early, our bag is going to pump and go up. But it's just like in the in the grand scheme, if you really believe in Web3, in blockchains, in crypto, in NFTs, uh, there are a fraction of a single percent of people in the world that are interacting on a regular basis with any of this. And the opportunities that will present themselves over the next 10 to 15 years are unlimited and most of them we can't even comprehend right now. It's similar to the internet in the 90s. People draw that parallel a lot, but it really is. And just sticking around and and the most important thing you can do is like make connections, network, make friends, um, have fun. But yeah, just just keep learning and, and, and keep networking. Yep. I love it. Zeneca, you're amazing. Thanks for stopping by today for us. And you know what I mean? It's it's a big deal when uh, we have someone of your caliber coming to the space, coming to the show. And that wraps up our show today. Zeneca, thanks for being here, my man. Thank you so much. And everybody, thanks for joining the Daily Buzz today. See you guys tomorrow. A screaming comes a thousand miles. It might be yours. It might be mine. God forgive me.